Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join Jill and Tom as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, this is the Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, when you get a chance, check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. While you're there, check out our 2023 Best Buy Picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you were looking for a new car or truck. And, and this is important, you can stream back episodes of the podcast right there on our homepage. All right, she is the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, and she's a North American Car of the Year juror plus... Plus, she's a contributing editor here at Consumer Guide, and her freelance work can be found all over the internet. Hello, Jill Simonello. Hello, Tom How are you? I am actually doing really well. It's been forever. It's been, it's been, a lot has happened. I, I blame, <laughs> I blame you. I blame you. So we're, you know, we're, we're at a draw here. We have not done a show since early September. I think the first week in September. Yeah, well, you know, the last show we did, I was in Utah. Were you? Remember, I was at the GR Corolla launch. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, and I so I was I was that. on a racetrack doing our last podcast. Yeah, so some goofy stuff happened at Consumer Guide. We can talk about that later, but the mm-hmm. podcast is back. So some changes. Yes. Right? We used to broadcast live from WCPT AMA 20 in Chicago. Yep. Love those folks, but just didn't work out for a bunch of reasons. They're mm-hmm. great people. We'd love to go back there someday, but that's not in the cards. Right now we're on Talk Zone, the Talk Zone Radio Network. And if you're listening now live, you know this. If you're listening to the podcast, you don't know that you can listen live Mondays. How am I supposed to do this? You want me to do Eastern Time? Yes. <laughs> TalkZone.com, Eastern Time. It's 4 p.m. Eastern. It's 3 p.m. Central. Yeah. And you can work your way down from yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's The whole thing's perfectly logical. Yes. All but right. you just go to TalkZone.com and you can uh, hit the Listen Live button and, uh, well, you know, listen to us live. We have all sorts of stuff we have to get to. But as you know, I always throw something at you. Yes. That yes, I you did do. not plan you for. And I'm doing that. Yeah. yeah. I have no prep for this at all. So, so big question, quick question. Uh, are you ready? Uh, no, but go ahead. You can just say yes or no. No. Every minivan available now is good. Hmm. No. No. All right. We need to talk. We don't have time to talk. <laughs> what? I totally expected you to say yes and cross this off my list and we'd move on. What minivan isn't good? You know, I I will say they are mostly good. I I am not what is it the the Chrysler Voyager which is a low uh, not counting rent that. I wasn't counting version that. of the Chrysler Pacifica. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a Pacifica with a crummy interior. And yeah, crummy, crummy. Yeah. Um but no, I mean, so let's see. We've got the Kia um, Carnival. Carnival. Mm-hmm. You've got the Honda uh, Odyssey. Uh-huh. You've got the Chrysler Pacifica, the Chrysler uh-huh. Voyager. Mm-hmm. Am I missing one? Uh, yeah, the Toyota Sienna. Toyota Sienna. Which is hybrid only. Yep. Yep. I would say of those, other than the Voyager, my least favorite is the Odyssey. Well, that's old. That's when yeah. you're, we'll be driving that soon, right? There's a redesigned version of that yep. coming. All right. Let's forget that. There we go. <laughs> I, I threw out a question. We didn't have to cover it, but uh, I needed to surprise you with something. Uh, so big stuff that's happened. Yes. That you need to talk about. Tell us first about the Rebel Rally, what that was, what you did. Yeah, so this was really cool. Um, I was still prepping for the Rebel Rally when we had our last uh, podcast, and I left October like 3rd and went to the Lake Tahoe area 
And uh, they took away my cell phone. They disabled the GPS in our vehicle. They gave us a map and longitude and latitude points and said, have fun. Um, <laughs> we, we did have a sat phone. To be fair, anyone who's been with you wants to take away your cell phone. Go ahead. No, not yeah. at all. Uh, but no, it's so the idea is this is a navigational challenge, and it's a women's only ra- rally. I know. I tried to go. They wouldn't let me. No, no, yeah. you wouldn't put on the dress and paint yeah. your toenails. So, I, I would um, do that stuff, oh, but they oh, still wouldn't let me. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, good to know. I'll use that for future reference. But um, <laughs> So female-only navigational challenge, and it's a 10-day event. And um, you literally go from longitude point to and latitude point to longitude and latitude point, and you hope you don't get lost. They do track you. They have a tracker on your vehicle. They give you a sat phone. So, like, if you end up in the middle of Death Valley, which people have done before, um, they can get you out. So, so you're navigating no electronics, so just my compass. Compass, yep. Okay. I learned how to use a compass. I learned how to take my bearings. Uh, I was a Girl Scout. I don't remember for how to a use year. a compass. I never learned how to use a compass when yeah. I was in the Girl Scouts. But uh, but it was just like the coolest thing. So we went from Lake Tahoe all the way down to Glamis, which is the sand dunes near the Mexican border. So oh, cool. ten days. I want to say it was two thousand miles. It was it was really a long time. And I had my drive partner, Kristen Shaw. Was um, she's also an automotive journalist. We were driving the Hyundai Santa Cruz. Um, mm-hmm. We were sponsored by Hyundai, and they provided the vehicle for us. I guess I can't really ask you this and expect a real answer, but how was that? Um, you know what? It was a lot better than I thought. <laughs> um, we, I mean, we chose it be- specifically because it was new and it was different, and it's a you know an adventure vehicle. Mm-hmm. And um, we put a one inch lift on it. We added some off road tires, off road wheels. Uh, we added some off road kit to it so that like we could put a full size spare tire on the vehicle and and so we did some small modifications to it. So so what are what are the challenges? Are, is it traction? Is it ground clearance? You're, yes, you're driving over sand. Sand, rocks. I mean, you name it. it. It is some of the most beautiful scenery I think I've ever seen in my life. It was pretty much all off road. You did have a couple of days where you had to do some on road transfers to to get from point A to point B, uh-huh. and they gave us a road book to to do that, but. Um, yeah, it was off-road. I got us stuck in sand twice. I was going to ask what the <laughs> barriers were, but okay, so you got stuck in, so you, you ended up knee-deep in sand. And, oh, yes. I okay. would say like hip-deep in sand, and there was a lot of <laughs> digging involved, and everybody was like, so your time in Chicago really helps with that, right? Because yeah. you know how we to know dig snow. snow. right? Snow's kind of like I've, that. I've got, uh, yeah, so I always look forward to a, kind of when we get snow in Chicago, because then it's like practicing my, my rebel uh, sand-digging muscles, which hopefully we don't get stuck again. So I assume time. then you have like a, a rough terrain autobiography coming. Uh, I have a pictorial biography. How's that? Oh, but okay. We have you have stuff we can link to. Oh yeah, I've got. I, I, oh, I do. I have stuff you can link to. Yes, I do. I've why, written. Why did I? Ask? I've written about uh, the <laughs> modifications that we did to the vehicle. I've done. I did a story about my my experience at the Rebel. I've got some pre-Rebel stories. I have stuff you can link to. All right, let's do. Let's talk about something now. We should have done before <laughs> the show. Send me those links. I will. I will right. send you those links, and we will have them in our post show. All notes. right. Well, cool. Cool that you did that. Um. Um. North American. Car of the Year. You were one of the 50 jurors for North American Car of the Year. Yes. There's three categories. Yes. Tell us the three categories. So it's uh, car, truck, and utility. Uh-huh. And in, we have winners? We we have winners. So in the car category, the finalists uh, were the uh, Nissan 3... Uh, I'm not going to say the 370. The Nissan Z, then the uh, Acura Integra, and the uh, Genesis G80 Electrified. Oh, those are the finalists. These are the finalists. I was waiting for a winner. So the winner okay. the winner of those three was the Acura Integra. Interesting. I haven't driven that yet. 
Uh, yeah, I so I drove it. Um, they do a semifinalist drive, so I drove it for the first time there. And it was funny because it was the first car that I drove, and I got into the vehicle and I was like, meh, you know, it's you know, uh, whatever. And then I got in, I was like, ooh. <laughs> It was really nice. It's funny you would say that about something called Integra, because over the history of the Integra, and I've owned one, and my Mm -hmm. buddies owned two, there were vehicles that didn't blow you away the first time you drove them. Mm -hmm. The more and more and more you drove them, and they were always Mm Civic-based. They were delightful cars Mm -hmm. that were wonderful to own. And just absolute champions, and, and and the new one's good. Yeah, I was. It it is surprisingly good. I was very sedan. impressed. It it it's a lift back. Lift okay, kind of. So Whatever. it has like yeah, a hatchy doors. looking sedan thing. Yes, and okay. it has a manual transmission, which was my favorite. That thing. is nice. So that's car of the year. Yes, utility of the year is. Oh, you're going to give me the three. Um, let, let's see if I can remember what the three oh. were. <laughs> you set yourself up here. I, I totally did. Okay, so it was Cadillac Lyric. It uh-huh. was the Genesis uh, GV60 uh-huh. and the Kia EV6. So those were the three finals, finalists, all electric finalists. No, I forgot so, which one. Um, <laughs> the, the Kia EV6 was okay. the winner. That is a delight to drive. Um, it It is a delight to drive. And, I, I, you know, it's really funny because initially when I saw the Hyundai Ioniq and the Kia EV6, which are built on the same platform, I thought that the designs should have been switched, that the Ionic should have been in the Kia lineup and the um, EV6 should have oh, been in the... I may not agree with you. Well, because Hyundai tends to have a very conservative um, design style, whereas Kia is a little bit more edgy. And the EV6, um, not that it's not edgy, but it's not as edgy as the Ionic 5. Um, but... I, now that I've driven them both and I've spent significant time with both of them, I can kind of see where the differentiations are and why they did what they did. But I enjoyed the EV6. I actually, that was one of the cars that I drove down to Indianapolis and as an electric car. Yeah. And um, was able to do it without too much difficulty. We need to talk about that at a later date. Yeah. But I want to talk about traveling on the interstate and what it means to stop and charge because it takes some time. It does. And you got to find a place. You do. And I've been driving to Milwaukee from Chicago, which isn't quite the challenge I'm driving yeah. from Chicago to Indianapolis. Yeah, that's like 190 miles of a dead zone. Um, so we have one more category to go through, the North American car, The one I truck. have a problem with. And I you warned you me, that I have you, a problem you, with this. You, you did warn me, but you didn't yeah. tell me what your problem is. Nope. So, okay, so the three finalists in this vehicle, and it's they were really only three trucks up all along. So they were like the semifinalists, the that's finalists. Sort of the, that's sort of your problem. Okay, yeah. so we had the Lordstown Endurance. Uh-huh. We had the Ford F-150 Lightning. And the Chevy Silverado 1500 ZR2. Tell people what the Lordstown is, because I don't think they know. Probably do not know what that is. Quad um, Motors, baby. Yeah. Quad Hub Motors. So it's it's a it's a new um, electric pickup truck. It's fleet-only sales. Um, you know, it, it, it's one of those vehicles that's had kind of a rocky history, because mm-hmm. um, I, I, what was it? Was it work, Workhorse or? Workhorse, yes. <laughs> you're on top of this, because this is very complicated. Workhorse, yeah. workhorse and Lordstown. Mm-hmm. Separate companies. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Same CEO for a while. Yeah. But they didn't they didn't have the money yeah. to make this work. And and one of the companies, Lordstown, was spun off to buy mm-hmm. the Lordstown assembly plant from General Motors yep. that used to build the um Chevy I forget this cruise. Okay. <laughs> Right. It's a huge – there's no way they're going to fill that plant anytime soon. No, and uh, they've got like a, a huge amount of funding from um, – I, I, I'm totally blanking on the name right now. Foxconn. Yes, Foxconn, which makes app, uh, iPhones. So yeah. lots of funding there. Um, but fleet fleet sales, I feel like they were delivering 40 before the end of 2022. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, very, very small sales. But then you have the um, – 
the the other two, which are much more mainstream tracks. The winner, the winner was the Ford F one fifty Lightning. No surprise there. No. No. No way that Lordstown was going to win. No. And I've heard from a fellow juror who drove it, mm-hmm. uh, a colleague of yours of mine, that it's kind of clunky. You know it. It was, but it wasn't. Um, there were a lot of things that I really appreciated about the Lordstown Endurance because I thought the fit and finish was really well done. Was it? It was better than the base trim of the Ford F-150 Lightning, I thought. Uh, well, the, that's saying something. The biggest problem for me was you couldn't height adjust the seat. And um, <laughs> me, I, for those of you who are new, um, no. I am fi- about five feet tall. Um, I, I, I am very small. And um, driving that car was it was a little bit... Um, tough for somebody who's on the petite side of things. Yeah, if you're new to this, if you're listening to Talk Zone, you've never listened to the podcast before. Jill is what four foot two, four foot two. I'm 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 five feet tall. Okay, give me credit. All right, and and I'm six foot one mm-hmm. and comfortably over three hundred pounds. So we've yeah. got this covered, and, and I'm under a hundred pounds. We've got so no one in the middle. We we don't have anybody in the so middle. We're all but... just we're always just going to crab about size. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. Sorry. Oh, man. I'm sorry. F-150 Lightning, one. that's not yes. a surprise. No. Uh, I think the new Silverado is good. I've only driven the ZR2. Mm-hmm. Not enough to go on well, there. Well, the, the ZR2 was the model that was up for the award, not the... Specifically? Yeah. Well, it shouldn't win. Mm. It's too specific. It's a little silly. Mm. No one needs it. Well, I'm surprised that the ZR... So I, I joined the jury... I like the interior a lot. <laughs> I, yeah. I joined the jury mid-year, so the vehicles had already been like uh, mapped out for the year. But I was uh, the question I haven't asked yet is why the um, GMC uh, Sierra AT4X and Denali Ultimate weren't also in there. Good question. Yeah. I've so, got a soft spot for GMC. It's, it's always like Chevys with nice interiors. Yeah, really nice interiors. <clears throat> the, the, have you seen the Denali Ultimate yet? No. No. It is amazing. Denali didn't go quite far enough, in my opinion. Well, the Denali Ultimate definitely Because the gap does. between Denali anything and Escalade mm-hmm. always seemed kind of big. Yeah, no. The, like, Denali mm-hmm. wasn't going far enough. So, Ultimate... Is the ult. Yeah. All right. You want to hear my problem? <laughs> yes. We, I have a lot problem? of problems, Well, actually. you are a problem, but that's another story um, for a different time. My problem with North American Car of the Year, and specifically the truck, mm-hmm. is there isn't enough trucks to make that work. Every year, it's almost like... Anyone can guess who's going to win. Yeah. The Chevy was an outside shot. There's no way the Endurance was going to win. Mm-mm. A little expensive. The quad motor thing is weird. It's not weird. It's really good for fleet, I imagine. But mm-hmm. but ultimately, this one, if anyone was betting on this, your money was on the F-150. Yeah. No, 100%. I, I mean... I, you got to do it. Y- yes. And I... I I think that, it, yeah, you did have to do it because you can't choose just one vehicle. And I'm making you defend the entire organization. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> for putting me on the spot. Yet another thing you did not prep me for. No. Um, but no, I mean, you, you do have to do it because you you have cars, you have trucks, you have utilities. But I think that there were probably more trucks that were eligible this year than were in the category. Actually, Here's a question. What mm. happened to the new GMs? Did they not qualify, the, the Colorado and Canyon? No, because they didn't make – so to, to qualify, you have to make deliveries in that year. So even though oh. like something might be a 2023 model year, it could qualify for the the 22 year if it is being sold in the 2022 year. So before December 31st. Okay, because for people who don't know, that's GM's midsize stuff, the yeah. Chevy Colorado, the GMC Canyon. Yeah. They've been pretty good vehicles in the past, and they've been consumer guide best buys over the years. And they've got all new drivetrains now. Yeah. They're four cylinder exclusive, which mm-hmm. is what, what Ford does with the uh help me, Ranger. Ranger, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think we'll see both of those trucks this year. We'll also um, see, you know, the the GMC uh, Sierra AT4X and Denali. I think that'll have to be in there. Um, I know Ranger and uh, Tacoma are coming out with new trucks, but they might not be in time for this year's voting. So we'll have to see what else might end up in that category. I don't know this, but I think I know this. Tacoma is actually going to be all new, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's scary. It is a little scary. Because the Tacoma's been the same basic vehicle for, I don't know, 81 years or I, something I know. Like I feel that. like it was 2007 or something like that. It's been the same. Like, I actually just wrote a story today about the changes to the Toyota 4Runner. And um, since 2010, when it came out. So, so here, here's the thing about Tacoma, right? Yeah. There's a lot wrong with that vehicle. The seating mm-hmm. position is weird. There's not a lot of space Getting inside. Getting into the vehicle. Getting yeah. in is weird, especially if you're big like me. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's deadbolt reliable. Mm-hmm. People love it. They I take it off-roading. It. It, it's, it's crazy how Toyota is in a really bad place if they have to change it, because who cares about awards or reviews if people are buying this thing? Yeah. It's the best-selling vehicle in its class. Yeah. And, now they, and, and at some point, they have to redesign it, and it's almost a shame. Yeah. And we're going to like it more, and I bet you the loyalists won't like it. But you know what I think they'll do? I think that they will have to do a nod to the past. I think they'll have a trim where they don't have a lot of, like, digital things, and it'll be pretty old yeah. school. And then yeah. I think as you go up, you'll be able to get digital screens, wireless things, blah, blah, blah. All right. Yeah. We've sort of caught up. Uh, have we caught up? Yeah, kind of. All right. <laughs> we're going to take a break. Up. Right. You know what we didn't do? Mm. We didn't introduce Sam. Sam Fiorani of uh, Auto Forecast Solution comes up after the break. We're going to take a break right now and be right back. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around today. We are not taking calls today, but do write that number down. We'll be taking calls in the future. Sam Fiorani drives, uh, joins us in a moment. But first, I remind people to what? Uh, follow Jill on, t- on TikTok. No, that's later. <laughs> right now. <laughs> People want to follow me on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That's Car underscore Guy underscore Tom on Twitter. I promise to entertain. All right, our guest today is the Vice President of Global Vehicle Forecasting at Auto Forecast Solutions and one of the most quoted people in the auto industry. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast, Sam Fiorani. He's Sam. So glad to be here. How are you, man? Doing well, doing well. How are you guys doing? We're good. And, and I um, was flipping through automotive news today. I'm, I'm a few days late, and I think you're quoted three times in the current issue. Yeah, well, you know, when when you know something about cars, people ask you <laughs> questions. So. I'm like, are we going to be turning this into an eat a donut game? Like every time Sam's mentioned, that's yeah. how many donuts we yeah. have to eat? Yeah. <laughs> I got my donut ready just for you guys, so I'm, I'm, re- I'm awesome. set for the show. Now, Jill's game, of course, the loser will be the first one to become a diabetic. Um, <laughs> Sam, it's been a really weird year, and, and, and not talking to you for three months was a little strange because everything went crazy. Um, uh, so I'm just going to ask one simple question. Maybe you can answer it for the next half hour. What the hell happened? <laughs> everything happened. We, <laughs> we, had a year, we had a year a couple years ago where... Uh, everything shut down because of COVID, yeah. and that snowballed into all kinds of problems last year, and we're still dealing with that today. So it, it's a lot of stuff going on all over the place, and that doesn't even start to handle the uh, the switch to EVs that the market's going through. And it's just been uh, an interesting time to be alive in the auto industry. So one of the big questions is, and I think 
this is the broadest and I think probably most popular question anyone might ask you is, are things getting better? If I want to buy a new car, is that easier now than it was a month ago? Hey, you. Yeah, you listening. Do you like personal finance or real estate? Are you itching to build wealth and create a better life for yourself or your family? Then you need to come check out the Life, Money, and More podcast with real estate agent, YouTuber, and actor Sage Weiss. This isn't your average finance show. We dive deep and do not sugarcoat topics around money and life. The Life, Money, and More podcast releases two episodes a week just for you because we're all about helping you win in this crazy world we live in. Come join the thousands of listeners on the Life, Money, and More podcast. It's easier than it was uh, at least six months ago. Okay. Uh, we're, we're watching the uh, inventory levels rise. Mm. We're seeing uh, uh, better selection for, for consumers to go to a dealership. The prices uh, are astronomical still. That, which is the biggest problem with buying a new car. and But uh, used car prices seem to be going down a little bit at the moment. Which is good. Which is absolutely good. Uh, uh, it, it may be a temporary thing, but we're, we're hoping that, to see some easing of prices in this industry. It's just the prices have just gone out of control. When we're looking at nearly $50,000 for a new vehicle, mm. that's insane. Yeah, well, I know the last time we talked to you, uh, one of the big problems we were encountering with the supply chain was the, the, the microchip shortage and, you know, semiconductors and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it, I, I've heard through the grapevine, and maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong or right or whatever, but I've heard that the, the chip shortage isn't necessarily the problem anymore, but the supply chain still is. So I'm just wondering if you can shed any light on that. What, what is our problem? Why, why are things still so expensive? Semiconductors remain a problem. Okay, we're we're still getting not getting enough chips in the in the industry, but it's just part of the supply chain problem. Mm-hmm. There are problems all over the. A year ago, when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, Ukraine supplied uh, um, uh, wiring harnesses to Eastern Europe, so all kinds of plants in Eastern Europe had to go find other places to get their wiring harnesses. Uh, we had. We have COVID issues in China, which are slowing down production of different parts that are used all over the world. So that's slowing down production everywhere. It, we're having issues everywhere, and it's, it's not just limited to semiconductors, but semiconductors is one point you can point at and say, you know, this is causing, uh, this year we're looking at about 2.7 million units of vehicles being taken out of production plans simply because of semiconductors. Mm. Is that 2.7 here in the U.S. or, or globally? No, that's a, that's a global number. Where, okay. Uh, but at the same number two years ago was over 10 million units. So we're <laughs> we're getting better. <laughs> hey, you still, yeah, still, still at a loss, but it's getting better. So I don't want to rush you along, Sam, but I've got a bunch of questions I wanted to ask you, and I'm so glad you could join us today. But one of the first ones has to do with this really interesting and, to me, really bizarre uh, Sony-Honda tie-up. And, and my question to you is, why does Sony want to get into cars? Why does a manufacturer of electronics, high-margin electronics, want to get into the really low-margin auto business? Getting into the car business for anyone seems like a, a, a bad idea. Yeah. It seems like even worse <laughs> idea when your marketing department names it Afila. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that does seem like a terrible idea. We're, 
we're debating uh, who came up with that one and and what they were smoking at the time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but the the idea of getting into the car industry is this is the latest cell phone. This is the latest mm-hmm. smartphone. This is the latest way to get uh, knowledge of people and what they do. Uh, you drive around, so we get to find out where you go. You use your car to to talk to people, so you get to figure out uh, what you're shopping for, what who you're talking to, where you're what what you're interested in. It becomes the next tech item. So all the data that can be provided from a car becomes uh, marketable. You can use that for a lot of uh, of uh, revenue generation. It's just like using your cell phone, and it's definitely a smartphone. Uh, finding out what you're searching, where you're shopping, what websites you're going to, what you do, where you're going. The the GPS on a cell phone tells you where you're going. So you're saying this just is, gives you another avenue. This is all about data monetization then, and not really Sony trying to make money selling cars. No, there's there's relatively little money in making a car, but there's a lot of money in the data provided from the the owner of that car, the driver of that car. Okay, because I had a different conspiracy theory. Would you like to hear it? Please. So my, my theory about Scout, the Volkswagen EV brand that's coming out, the all-electric brand, and about Afila is, is and, and this might be an actual driver or I could be crazy, but I'm wondering if, if in this case, Volkswagen and also Honda simply want to establish new distribution systems that get around the franchise system in the U.S. Well, in the case of Scout, that's absolutely where they're going. Uh, by... Splitting the, the brand off as a different company, it allows you to be not tied to the, the franchise laws that, that tie every Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, um, yeah. and Europe, Seat, and Skoda, all these brands to, to the franchise laws. By starting a separate company, now you can sell them factory direct. Mm-hmm. You can uh, avoid all kinds of, of costs that come with the middleman of, of having dealerships. It also brings you uh, a lot of problems with uh, maintenance, with uh, all the things that dealers do for you. They, the dealers are your first line of a defense with a customer, with, a, with an issue with a vehicle, anything like that. So now you have to maintain your relationship with the customer a little better than, than you would have if you had franchises. But your point is exactly taken, that, that these are a way to split you, up, split you away from the uh, the the factory, the franchise laws that this mm-hmm. country has all over the place. And interestingly, Afila, which is the name of the new... <laughs> I, I, yeah, Afila. We just can't get over that. Sorry. Afila, yeah. which is the name of the new, <laughs> a new Sony Honda hookup, they're free to engage existing dealers for service or even for distribution if they want to. They just wouldn't be subject to the existing franchise rules, correct? It, it, as long as they maintain it as a separate company, uh-huh. it it can skirt the, all, a lot of the laws that, that maintain uh, franchises around the, the country. But uh, if you tie it back to the service phase that Honda already has, you may find yourself getting back into the, the franchise agreement and uh, oh. um, getting into trouble. So speaking of trouble, <laughs> and trouble that may or may not be brewing, but uh, Tesla last week cut prices like they did in China here in the U.S., and some of the price cuts were substantial. Uh, what is behind that? And I'll throw out my theory here, too, is that we're reaching now where main, mainstream shoppers are getting into the Tesla audience, and maybe they're looking for a traditional dealer network or the safety or convenience of having a, a, a garage nearby. Well, it, 
part of the the Tesla switch is that uh, lowering the prices on cars allows it to fall under the the level for uh, incentives oh. for electric vehicles. Uh, there aren't many electric cars that get you the seventy five hundred dollar the new seventy five hundred dollar incentive with the uh, uh, Inflation Reduction Act. The uh, the level for sport utilities and crossovers is a lot higher. So it's eighty thousand dollars as opposed to fifty five thousand dollars. Right. But there just aren't many domestically produced fifty five thousand dollar or less cars that will come in there and. Tesla can have that market all to themselves by having a $45,000 Model 3. Well, let's talk about that for a second, too, because we have some interesting things that happen when they set these limits and talked about where uh, a country of origin is, is such a big deal now. Mm-hmm. And Hyundai, obviously, negotiating on behalf of Hyundai Kia, trying to get some concession because the EV6 and the Ionic 5 and all these really good electric vehicles no longer qualify because they're not American-made. And then additionally, we have the weirdness that the Cadillac Lyric is not being called a crossover for some reason, <laughs> yeah. and thus yeah. is in excess of the uh, the $55,000 limit. Do you think there's going to be some flexibility there? There's absolutely going to, there's going to have to be. If you yeah. look at the list of vehicles that are considered cars or crossovers, they it doesn't make a lot of sense when you have a two-row Model Y is a car, but a three-row Model Y is a, is a crossover. Why? No, Just that makes no sense. Their, their, their rationale was weight, but it's still, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense physically on the vehicle that, that it's, it, it becomes a truck because it has a third row. And you think that some of the foreign makers building electric vehicles are going to get some concessions because they are indeed friendly nations, Hyundai, Kia specifically? It, I think the, the Hyundai Kias of the world, things like that, their benefit is that we have a really good uh, uh, trade agreement with South Korea, and Hyundai Kia was already planning on building electric vehicles in the United States. So they could get a, a little benefit of the doubt because the plan was already there. We already have the factories. We just need this window of opportunity where we need to move from South Korea to the United States. It. it it, it gives you a little bit of leeway. I, I think if you're a company that has no plans on building in North America, you're gonna you're not gonna get as friendly uh, reception. Now there was a rash of announcements subsequent to the um, um, re- release of information about the Inflation Reduction Act and the incentives on electric vehicles, and a lot of companies have announced their plans or even started building factories in the U.S. to build electric car batteries. Uh, was that a result, do you think, of the law, or was that stuff in the works anyway? Some of them were in the works, but I think it it, it lit a fire under them. It, okay. It sped things up. The Hyundai plant that was planning on building electric vehicles was on schedule, but they've moved up the timeline, so they're going build, to build them here just a little earlier. Uh, there's not a lot you can do with that because it takes time to get yeah. all the permits yeah. and build the buildings. Uh, there's only so much you can speed that up. And what about the battery, uh, the battery content law, which is more confusing and I think a little bit more difficult for consumers to follow? Um, it looks like there is a supply of lithium in the U.S. that can be established, but what about the other stuff like manganese and, and, uh, and cobalt? Do we see a supply chain coming? Do you think that a lot of companies are going to be able to supply what they need to build batteries here from U.S. sources? Yeah, as the the need rises, because it's a, it's a progressive uh, level that they, they need to fill, 
um, they're going to they're going to have the time to find local content and um, ramp up the production of it because you need to bring the cost down to be competitive with these mines around the world that produce all these different elements. In addition to finding sources locally, there's going to be the technology to get rid of some of those those uh, harder to find elements. So as the batteries evolved, we'll we'll move away from the the need to get uh, materials from Africa or from China or from Asia or wherever the the sources are that aren't North American. But where we can find them locally, you're going to see a, a big jump in the in the production here and a lot more jobs in those fields. So we've talked a lot about the uh, was it the Inflation Reduction Act? I'm I, IRA. Is that what it? I can't, I can't even remember yeah. the. It's a mouthful. It seems but, so long ago. It now. seems so long ago, but we're all still really confused about it. And we've kind of been talking around it. Can you just give a brief description of what this is and what it means for automakers? Because we we kind of jumped right into the topic without explaining what it is. I do that. You do. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of parts of this that that a lot of people don't understand even people who study it we're we're constantly looking into <laughs> we're all, all the details to make sure that we know what they are right because it, it's very confusing but as far as automotive production goes for an electric vehicle to get up to seventy five hundred dollars worth of incentives for the consumer the uh the vehicle has to be built in north america and has to have a a, a battery sourced out of north america with materials sourced from North America or friendly countries. And by North uh, America, the, the is levels, that just the United States, United States and Canada, United States, Canada and Mexico? What do you mean by that? We used to say the, NAFTA. Yeah. Right. It, I, <laughs> it, 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 USMCA is the, the current term for the free trade agreement. But the production of the vehicle has to be North, it has to be U.S. Okay. And I believe battery as well. But uh, uh, sourcing the parts around is going to be a, a, an issue we're already seeing problems with USMCA is uh, having to deal with core parts of vehicles moving from Canada to Mexico and the United States. Uh, they just had a, a movement to to make anything that becomes North American that is sourced out of Canada or Mexico, if it, it hits the level of 75% North American, it becomes 100% North American as a core part. So if, if you make a battery and 75% of that is North American sourced, the battery becomes 100% North American mm-hmm. as it moves on to the next level to go into the vehicle. Interesting. Uh, the IRA is different from that and would use different uh, levels of, of North Americanness, but uh, <laughs> they do center on, uh, for the IRA, it, a lot of it is built in the U.S. So it, it skirts the, uh, the free trade agreement. But the, another really big part of that is the cost, and you brought that up a little bit in that you have to um, – it, 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 you said it was like under 55000 for sedans, is it? Yeah. Yeah, cars are 55000 and and SUVs are 80000 Right. So, I mean, it, <laughs> there's so many moving parts to this. You know, it, it, you can no, definitely see why Tesla would um, reduce their prices because they, they want to qualify for this. Have you ever heard a new digital trend and thought to yourself, okay, does this really matter? Asking the right questions helps you cut through the noise and get down to what matters most. I'm Jim Hertzfeld, host of the What If So What podcast, where we discover what's possible with digital and figure out how to make it real by asking what if 
so what? And most importantly, now what? Subscribe and listen, and together we can turn big ideas into tangible actions so you can get shit done. Right, right. No, they, they, the old incentives were limited to 200,000 vehicles sold. So Tesla uh, timed out of that a few years ago. Uh, mm. General Motors ran mm. out of those credits as well. Yep. But now this refreshes and it doesn't have a limit on them. So you can, any manufacturer can get $7,500 as long as it's built in the U.S. and sourced uh, battery sourcing from uh, the U.S. and friendly countries. Uh, but it, it comes down to uh, pricing of the vehicle. And uh, also, I believe there's a, uh, a part of how much the people, the owner makes. Yep. So mm. Uh, there's, there's just when you think you've got it nailed, yeah. wait, let's throw another curveball at you. <laughs> so many parts. So many parts. Oh. Sam, we forgot to do this when you joined us, and this is my fault, but tell us about Auto Forecast Solutions and what you do there. Uh, Auto Forecast Solutions is an analytical and consulting uh, firm for the automotive industry. We do production and sales forecasting. We do production forecasting going out to 2035 and sales forecasting out to 2030. Wow. We uh, we provide all kinds of details and analysis for for the industry to companies that need information about the industry, like financial houses and suppliers and vehicle manufacturers. And best way to check out Auto Forecast Solutions is we, we have a LinkedIn page, we have a Facebook page, we have a Twitter account, uh, all Auto Forecast, and uh, uh, check us out. And uh, definitely link to me on LinkedIn if you're interested in the industry. Sounds good. Sam, uh, I'm going to impose on you to stick around for the quiz if you can do that. Oh, I, this is a dream of mine. <laughs> Twist your arm. We're twisting it. People new to the show don't know about the quiz. They're about to find out. All right, that's Sam Fiorani with Auto Forecast Solutions. He's going to join us after the break. This is the Car Stuff Podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around today. Hey, Jill. Hey, yeah. How are you? I'm. We've already covered this, but I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Jill, you're a, you're a social media gadfly. Tell us uh, how people can follow you a, in the ether. A gadfly. A gadfly. Okay. Um, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll claim that. I may have used that word wrong. I'll look it up after the show. <laughs> Maybe you should look it up before the show. Too late now. <laughs> it is too late. Uh, but no, I, I am in social media pretty much everywhere. Yeah, and, uh, yeah you are. You, you, you keep, yeah, I am. Um, you can find me on <laughs> TikTok, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, all these things, at Jill Simonello. It's literally just my name, J-I-L-L-C-I-M-I-N-I-L-L-O. I always have to spell it because there's a lot of I's and a lot of L's. I don't have time to say all that stuff. Okay, then you can search for the hashtag car du jour because i tag all of my new car content with that car du jour you know tag right. because it's the car that i'm driving today there you go. sam yeah. did you get all that i i did and uh real-time fact checking you used gadfly properly oh, oh thank you awesome thank, thank you. you the word uh, <laughs> i was thinking about steely dan by accident um and and that just popped up and that's a really old joke. You have to kind of be old. And I don't get it. Yeah, Sam so gets sorry. it. Those, those of us who do appreciate it, uh, uh, appreciate it. So you're outing Sam as also being old? No, but oh, he's, yeah. he's way into music. Okay, got it. And I'm not into music Even more either. than me, he's uh, into music. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So uh, who was the harmonica guy you were playing yesterday, Sam? Oh, um, uh, 
Joe Paleo and the uh, Harmonica Gang. Yeah, that's, that's I'm, a great album. I enjoyed the that video album. you posted was fantastic. <laughs> oh, great. All right, guys, you know what time it is, right? Anyone? Anyone? Uh, quiz time. It is time for the Car Stuff Power Quiz. Uh, today's topic is bestsellers. Oh, okay. And oh. I want to I want to preface this for like people who are not familiar with the quiz. I yeah. always lose. <laughs> you had a bad 2021 and 2022. And uh, yeah, which I, was the full run of the show. I, I was gonna say a bad 2020, a bad. Uh, <laughs> I think we started in 2019. I think I did really well in 2019 for the did two you? episodes that we had there. Yeah, pre okay, pre COVID. Yeah, COVID screwed you up. And then it just went downhill from there. All right, all right. We're gonna do the quiz now. Sam, you are our guest. You go first. I hope you're ready. I'm ready. All right. All numbers courtesy of Automotive News, uh, an absolute necessary piece of automotive information if you're in the industry. Love automotive news. Sam, which of the following sold best in 2022? The Hyundai Ioniq 5 or the Kia EV6? Oh, um, that's a good one. Uh, uh, I believe the Ioniq 5 did. Jill, this question goes to you. Ioniq 5? EV6. The vehicles you want switched. I know the vehicles I want switched. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a tough one because Kia usually sells better, like their version usually sells better than the Hyundai version. Does it? The Telluride sells better than the Palisade. Oh, the Forte, I believe, outsells the Elantra, but we're, I digress. We're digressing. Um, yeah. So I think that's usually the case, but I think the Ionic did break the mold, so I'm going to agree with Sam. You're both correct. The Ionic 5 slightly outsold the EV6, 22,982 to twenty. Uh, 498. So you're both on the board. You both get a point. Jill, this question goes to you. Jill, which brand sold better in the U.S. last year, Bentley or Maserati? Oh, two somewhat obscure, very expensive brands. Um, yes, they are. Mm. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm like, did anybody have anything new last year? I don't think they did. Isn't uh, there always a new version of the Bentayga? Uh, no. Um, I've never driven it. I, I, I haven't don't either. Know. Um, that feels I, like a vehicle they'd get around to us driving. Yeah, you would think so, but not so much. For people who don't know, that is Bentley's big crossover. Big, big SUV. Their only crossover. Their only crossover. Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Maserati because I feel like they have more models. You're saying Maserati sells yeah. better than Bentley. Sam, this question goes to you: Which sold better in the U.S. last year, Maserati or Bentley? They're both such low production <laughs> vehicles, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the other side and go with Bentley. Uh, the correct answer was Maserati. Woo! Jill takes the lead. Uh, it's Maserati 6,413, Bentley 3,975. 6,400. 6,400. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's a rounding error if you're selling <laughs> F-150s. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sam, this question goes to you. Speaking of the F-150, which of the following sold best last year, the Ford F-150 or all of Subaru? <laughs> oh. I'm... <laughs> um, Oh, <laughs> I, no! I'm, I'm going to say that is a really trick question. So you're going with the F-150, but that is a trick question, I think, because Ford does not differentiate their F-series sales. They they put the F-250, the F-350, the F-150 all together. They don't give you just the F-150. Jill, you have busted me, and I did make a mistake. It is actually F-series. Okay, it is F-series. F-series. Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the F-series. All right. Sam says F-series. This goes to you. Okay. Having exposed my error. <laughs> Which I like to do. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, Subaru is fairly, not super low volume, but... The, uh, it seems like their sales are always going, over, going they, up. They are going Although up. Although COVID smacked them down up. a little bit. Yeah. Yep. 
That's tough. Um, you know, hmm, I I actually think I have to agree. I think it's the F series. It is six hundred and fifty three thousand nine hundred and fifty seven units to Subarus, roughly five hundred and sixty seven thousand. So close ish, but uh, F one fifty sales juggernaut. So it is now Jill three Sam two. We go to question four. Jill, this goes to you first. Two cars you haven't thought about in a long time. Mm. Jill, which sold better last year, the Nissan Maxima or the Volkswagen Ardeon? <laughs> um, I, I actually have thought about the Ardeon recently. Um, have not thought about the Maxima in probably at least a year. Um, Let me give you a clue. It's not even close. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm, mm, I'm going to... Mm. And I'm probably, this is where I'm going to go downhill. I'm going to say the Ardeon because it's newer. Newer's good. Yeah, newer is good. But the name recognition is I would bad. rather own an Ardeon. Well, that's 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 fair. Uh, I'm right. going to go with Ardeon. All right, Sam, this question goes to you. Which sold better last year, the Nissan Maxima or the Volkswagen Ardeon? I'm with you that I'd rather drive the Ardeon, but I believe it's the Maxima. Sam, you are correct oh. by a lot. Oh. 7,100 Maximas, 1,700 Ardians. 1,700? Yeah, you guys are oh. tied with one question to go. Man, 1,700. That is, that is ouchy. Yeah, it's weird, too, because they killed the Passat to sell that. The, uh, to, well, you know, there's no re- name recognition. No. And um, no. you know, I the reason why I thought of Ardian recently is because I did post a couple of TikToks on it in the past couple of weeks. And um, I, I'm a Volkswagen owner and did not love it. The Ardian? I, I saw one at Costco the other day. I was very surprised by it. Mm-hmm. You saw you saw it. That's like the only one in your area, probably. Mm-hmm. The Ardian. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sam, last question goes to you. Which sold better last year, the Honda Accord or the GMC Sierra? The Honda Accord, the Honda Accord which would typically run rings around the Sierra, yeah. but has been going down over the years. Yeah, it used to be like a 400,000-unit vehicle once upon a time. Yeah. And yeah. deservedly so. Well, now because cars don't sell, it's just been sliding. But, uh, um, uh, oh, I'm going to give the leg up to the Sierra. You're saying Sierra? Jill, this question goes yes. to you. Uh, which question? Uh, no, what am I trying to say? Which sold better <laughs> last year? Honda Accord? Honda's excellent sedan or the GMC Sierra? Oh, well, the the GMC Sierra is typically the other than the Titan, like the least selling of the trucks, the full size trucks. I think you're right. Usually, but not always. Um, but um, oh, so I'm, I think I, I will make this a tiebreaker. Then I will go with the Accord. It was the Sierra. Oh. Ooh, Sam okay. wins four Sam to three. Wins. Honda Accord, just 155,000 units. Interesting. Man, that is. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing, yeah. How much was for this year? 241,000. Okay. 200, actually, 204, rounds to 242, which is crazy. Yeah. Crazy, just crazy. All right, we go to the bonus question. People don't know this. Yes. People listening on TalkSound don't know this, but we always go to the bonus question. No matter what, and yeah. it has nothing to do with cars usually. No, it's super topical. Oh. Oh, wait, it's not. <laughs> All right, Jill, this question goes to you first. Jill, which of the following is not on the Denny's dinner entree menu in Canada? <laughs> Are you ready? For all of our Canadian listeners out there. <laughs> we may have Canadian listeners. We could. There's a lot of auto industry in Canada. There is. All right. Uh, are you ready? I'm not ready, but go for it. The grilled haddock dinner. Ooh. The, the T-bone steak dinner. Mama D's pot roast bowl. 
or the spicy poutine ravioli? I'm none of those sound appetizing to me, except for maybe the T-bone steak. Um, <laughs> I, I will. Uh, so you said, go through those one more time. You please. know, I'm delighted to read these again. I, right? I know. I yeah, know. the grilled haddock, mm-hmm. the T-bone steak, mm-hmm. the Mama D's pot roast bowl, or the spicy poutine ravioli. One of those is fake. It's either got to be the poutine or the Mama D's because that is oddly specific. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Mama D's. That's the fake? Yeah. All right, Sam, this question goes to you. We're looking for a fake entree. Grilled haddock, T-bone steak, Mama D's pot roast ball, spicy poutine ravioli. As much as I want to eat any one of those three. <laughs> and, mm. and especially the one I want to pick. So I'm going to go with the ravioli because I love poutine. The spicy poutine ravioli is the fake. Okay, I knew it was one of those. Yeah, but the Mama, Mama D's, D's pot roast bowl is real. Oddly specific. Even the picture of it doesn't look good. Oh, yeah, none of, none of them. Yeah, I'd, I'd be there eating great. that poutine if I if they had it. Oh, oh man, so Jill. Yeah. Jill, tell us what's going on. Uh, what do you got in the works? What are you working on? What, do you, what would you like us to look at? What would I like you to look at? You know, um, over the over the holidays, I actually wrote a story that went viral. And it was an open letter to um, anybody who's putting in an EV charging station. Yeah. Uh, because I drove the Kia EV6 to my parents' house uh, for Christmas and um, had to stop in Lafayette, Indiana to charge. And the, it's, a 300, it's a vehicle that accepts 350 um, kilowatts of power. And I was at a 350 so kilowatt. people should know that that's as yep. fast as it gets. It's as fast as it gets. Very fast. That's like a, Tesla fast. Yes. And I was at a 350 kilowatt charger. I was getting 50 kilowatts. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like ten degrees, and there was stuff. But at any rate, my experience at the charging station was not good. So I was like, "Here are the five things. I think it was five that I think that people need who are putting in charging stations need to do." And um, it kind of went oddly viral. So I would love for people to check that out. And we will link to that then. Yeah. And when I say we'll link to that, uh, check out our Facebook page. Yep. The Car Stuff Podcast Facebook page, and I'm going to have a link there to an article that's going to post on Consumer Guide with links to all the stuff here, including links to Auto Forecast Solutions. Yes. So, Jill, I recently wrote a piece that made me very sad, but I felt like I had to write it. Was it the Jaguar piece? It was the Jaguar piece. Yeah. Yeah, and and as anyone who knows, I've been making fun of Jaguar now for two and a half years, a year and a half. For, I was going to say like three years, four whatever. years, uh, for a while. But but it's their fault because Jaguar has been allowed to just disappear. Mm-hmm. For people who don't know, Jaguar and Land Rover. Range Rover are sold in the same showrooms. Yep. And Jaguar can't give away a car anymore, but they sell crossovers. But mm-hmm. their crossovers are kind of anonymously styled. Mm-hmm. And if I went into that showroom, I would be looking at the Jaguars and then walk over to the Land Rovers because they look so much better. Yeah. So I wrote a piece about this. I wrote a piece about why I care about Jaguar because I love Jaguar. I love right. the brand. I love the history. Um, a lot of good pictures there. But it makes me sad because there's nothing happening now at Jaguar. No, and not for like a couple of years. Right. Two, three <laughs> years. Nothing is going on. And they keep killing models. They're down to one sedan, Ugh. one sedan, two crossovers, and the EV. Yeah, the, the EV I-Pace. Crossover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and the very nice F-Type, which is their sports car, Corvette-sized sports car. Right. But it's really old. Yeah. So kind of a bummer. So that's the piece I wrote there. Yeah. So, I yeah, I read that and I was just like, you know, I want you to be wrong, but I don't think you're wrong. I also reviewed... I think you've driven this, um, um, the Hyundai Tucson plug-in hybrid. I've not reviewed the plug-in hybrid. It is very good. It is very good. Well, I have. I actually have a friend who went to New Jersey to buy a Tucson plug-in hybrid over 
uh, I think it was like the fall, he, he went there to, to buy it because that was the vehicle he wanted, and he loves it. He's still trying to figure out some aspects of it, but he is enamored with it. So the whole plug-in hybrid thing, and this is a point I make, um, if you're not going to plug in, don't do it. Yeah. Don't pay the extra money for the plug-in hybrid. You're getting an extra battery, a bigger battery that weighs more, hurts your fuel economy. Just don't do it. Yeah, but if you have a place to plug in every day, it is amazing, especially yeah. for somebody like me who goes to the gym and back and is like five miles a day. I would never hit the gas. So my point here is I, I drove the, the plug-in hybrid, uh-huh. um, plugged it in every day, mm-hmm. and I got 109 miles to the gallon. Awesome. I didn't use gas, Yeah. basically. 33 miles of range. It's going to shrink in the winter. Mm-hmm. But it was already cold out when I drove this, so. Yeah. All right, that's the stuff we're going to share. Um, yep. Just real quick, the show is live every week on the Talk Zone Radio Network. You can listen at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Yes. What does that make us? Plus, minus two, 1 p.m. <laughs> 1 Pacific p.m. Time. Pacific, right? Do we throw in Mountain Time? Come on. And and that's 11 a.m. Hawaii Time. Yeah, two two p.m. Mountain, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You know, I should care about Mountain because my daughter's there. You should. She's in school in Colorado. See. All right. Uh, that's it, Joe. We're back. Seriously? Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right. If you miss a show, you can download the podcast. Be sure to like, share, and review the podcast. It's a big help. Big thanks to Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions for joining us this week. Thank you, Jill Simonillo. Big thanks to producer Randy and the good folks here at TalkZone. A special shout out to my radio mentors, Steve and Johnny, who are going to join us on air. If you are listening nationally and don't know them, they are Chicago late-night radio legends. They're fun. They know a lot about cars, and they drove some crazy stuff. Steve is the only person to know who owned a Lotus. Hmm. I know I know other people who own Lotus, or who've owned those, but, yeah. All right. All right. Anything else, Joe? I think that's, that's how we got. This went really well. I really enjoyed this uh, first episode back. I, I'm, I'm glad we're back. I didn't stutter too much. Not too much. That's for next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's always next well, week. you know why? Because I'll be drinking again. Oh, drinking Pepsi? What? Your diet Pepsi? <laughs> All right. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast with Jill Simonillo. We will talk to you next week. Remember to check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. The Car Stuff Podcast is produced by J-Turn Media. To advertise on the show, please drop us a line at CarStuff at ConsumerGuide.com.